Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! What's up, my nerds? Well, guys, welcome back to the Next Gen Nerd Podcast, where we talk nerdy and we talk ministry. I'm excited. Uh, I've got a, a long-time friend and hero of mine, Paul Turner, on the podcast with me. I uh, found Paul Turner uh, as I was looking through YouTube, looking for ideas for my youth room, and he had a YouTube series, More Than a Youth Room. And I watched every video that Paul Turner had posted on YouTube, and since then, um, uh, followed. The, you've had two or three podcasts, and... Uh, your blog, and I've got your book sitting over here that I had <laughs> filled out and signed, prepared for impact. Uh, and I remember um, I, it was the coolest thing. I went to the National Youth Workers Convention, and you were doing – actually, the reason I went is because I got an email from you saying you get a discount if you say, if you mention my name. And I was like, sweet, well, I'm going to go. And um, at the time, I was doing a podcast with a buddy of mine, and you did a, a, a guest intro for me on that one. And so when I was preparing this project, uh, I made a list of other guys that are not local – that I thought uh, I would love to have on here. And as I told you, uh, you were the first name on my list. So Paul, thanks for being with us, man. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, if you guys haven't heard Paul Turner's latest podcast, it's youth ministry in motion. Uh, it is a fantastic podcast. Um, it's, it is chock full of nuggets. It's, 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 it's a shorter podcast, uh, except for you do interviews, which those run long anyways, and it is totally understandable. Um, but it is a fantastic podcast to to just get some really good practical tips for youth ministry. Uh, and there's a Facebook group if you listen to the podcast. I encourage you guys to check out the Facebook group as well uh, where you can kind of uh, help steer the podcast. It's really what it feels like. We're helping you steer kind of where we're going. Absolutely. You guys are like my, uh, the people in there. I mean, I do, I, I don't just do the podcast, you know, just for whatever. I mean, I'm trying to meet needs. So, you know, when, when, when I ask questions or uh, I ask for ideas, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the, to everybody that's listening because I'm saying, look, it's worth it to me to do. If somebody says, look, I'm, I have one particular issue. Right. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you made the mistake of saying, do you have any topics? And I was like, here's 15. Here you go. Here's, here's <laughs> a few. <laughs> That's right. And we're going to, those are coming up. <laughs> those um, are coming up. I'm a list guy. I'm a list guy. Uh, I have my podcast notebook in front of me and it's just list after list after list. So when you ask a question, I will, I'll probably have a list. So Paul, uh, tell my listeners, they may not know you, tell them kind of your experience in youth ministry. My experience in youth ministry started when I was 22 years old and, uh, you know, probably earlier than that, simply volunteer years and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, my, uh, my experience, I've been doing it for about 30 years um, in various forms, uh, you know, 30 years in a local church, and then uh, extended it out to things like First Priority, uh, working with First Priority and other organizations, uh, camps, uh, retreats, speaking, all that kind of good stuff. And for me, uh, I always tell people, you know, what, you know, what's your, why did you stay in it so long? I said, well, I had three guys three youth pastors that really encouraged me. And I found it to be, um, uh, uh, you know, a, an example for those guys. Those guys, you know, taught me things like the first youth pastor that taught, taught me about relationship, the powerful uh, power of relationship. My second youth pastor taught me the power of study, 
Uh, and my uh, my third youth pastor taught me uh, the power of evangelism. And so those the, the concoction of of things there and how they impacted my life, I said, I want to stay in this thing long enough to where I can really, really, you know, make a dent uh, in the universe. I want to stay in it long enough because there's a lot of guys that don't stay in it uh, yeah. long enough. And that doesn't, you know, it's neither here nor there. I said, look, I just want to stay in it long enough to where I feel like I'm being fruitful uh, where I'm impacting students, but also impacting youth workers as well. So, uh, but yeah, that's my, that's my experience with it. It's, it's a great thought to have because we learn from those that have experience. And if you have somebody who only repeats the first two years of youth ministry, they never really have any experience. Uh, and so I, I am, I'm thankful for guys like you that say, let me stick in it. So I can, I can actually say, like I said, make a dent, make a difference, make a change. Yeah. I think if uh, I think too, uh, you know, I was, <laughs> You know, I've had opportunities, people, you know, for, you know, senior pastor and things like that. And I'm just not interested. Mm -hmm. I'm just not, uh, that's not my jam. My jam is to stick with youth workers. And that's, that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, Peter Pan syndrome. Like, it's not (laughs) like I don't want to grow up. Like, all I want to do is play dodgeball all day and, you know, and uh, all that stuff. I'm more interested in the dynamics of youth ministry Mm -hmm. uh, and how programs can be successful. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I've studied over the past 30 years I, through my own program, but also studying other people's programs and then through coaching other youth workers and things like that is trying to help them develop your long lasting, successful youth ministries. And it can happen. Mm-hmm. I uh, had this conversation with a church member who, you know, when, when I get a chance to speak, they go, oh, you're always so very excited and, and you know, and, and passionate. And we love that. And part of it's my personality, but I tell them, you know, part of it too is my ministry is to people who are going through the greatest life change, the most likelihood for them to, to come face to face with Jesus. I see this all the time. Uh, every year I go to camp and I see kids wrecked by Jesus. And so, so that, that builds in us a passion that the senior pastor doesn't always have. Uh, doesn't have the opportunity to, you know, senior pastor that can go to camp, that can be involved in youth ministry, I think can still see that. And really, to be honest, a, a senior pastor who is reaching out to the community is still going to see those things. Sure. But for us, it's a given. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, this is the way it is. We're going to see life change. Yeah. And it's, and it's inspirational to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, look, one week at camp, can, can, you know, motivate the other, you know, 51 weeks of the year Amen. Uh, that, you know, maybe aren't so great. You mm-hmm. know, you have that, that one week of camp and, and you have those moments, whether it's at camp or a retreat or on a Wednesday night or uh, whatever it may be, you know, well, you say, well, that was all worth it. That was worth going through an entire year of this right. uh, for that moment there to see that kid that's who, who you've been helping and uh, investing in. And then he comes to camp or, uh, comes to the meeting, gives his heart to, to the Lord and, and, and then, you know, the, the growing process starts. So, yeah. So one week can uh, one week can certainly motivate you for the other 51. <laughs> that it can. Well, Paul, we, one of the things that I like to do on here is to talk about nerdy things. I have a, a, yes. a, a, a love for all things nerd culture. And so I asked you, you know, what are some things that, that maybe some topics that you would discuss? Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, several things you mentioned, I was like, I'm not so, I don't know that I know anything about that. Uh, so I'm not sure how to be able to have a conversation <laughs> there. But you said one TV series, I go, I have seen every episode of that. Uh, and I'm a fan of the creator of that series. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the disenchantment, disenchantment by Matt Groening. Uh, yep. He also did The Simpsons and did Futurama and several other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Netflix show. It has had three parts so far. Yep. So a total of uh, 30 episodes, I think. Is it 10 each? I know it's 10 yep. for the first two. 
uh, and it is set in Dreamland and follows Princess Tiabini as she uh, grows up, really, I guess. It goes from being a rebellious teenager uh, to really caring for her uh, for her land for she's dreamland. trying she's, she's trying. trying she's, she's trying still trying <laughs> so uh so so paul tell me why you like this show like what is it that you go this i i enjoyed this because of here or this is this is my experience with uh with disenchantment right well i'm a i'm a fan i, I and this is you know people you know will have opinions about this of course uh, but 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 if i have a choice between the simpsons or futurama i choose futurama hands down because because it has more, I think it has more interesting characters. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the jokes are funnier. I think, uh, I think just the, the dynamics of it all hits me differently than the Simpsons. I think mm. the, I think the world is cool. I think the lore is cool, all that. And I think that's what brought, I think that's that element of Futurama kind of, you have that same element in disenchantment, I think. Mm. And you have interesting characters and you have, uh, you know, really good voice actors, uh, who both yes. a lot of voice actors who were on Futurama, right, uh, are, are in Disenchantment, so that's helpful too. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of it because it kind of it, it feels like you're watching somewhat the fantasy version, maybe, of, of Futurama. I was watching a couple episodes a day just in preparation, and I hadn't caught it the first time. But when she goes to uh, Steamland, uh, yep. they mentioned Farnsworth Avenue, which is that is kind of a, a throwback there to, to Futurama uh, yep. and Farnsworth. Um, so, so I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Futurama. I had an ethics class in college uh, that my teacher almost exclusively used clips of Futurama to describe ethical issues. And that's one of the things I love about Matt Groening's stuff is it's a political yeah. satire. It's an ethical satire. It's an ethical commentary. And so you're watching this show to be entertained, and yet it's causing you to really think, what would I do in these situations? So like in Futurama, there's uh, um, the situation where they find this, this delicious food, and then they learn that the delicious food are actually sentient beings. And they're like, do we we keep yep. eating this because it's delicious or do we save these people and i remember him showing that clip and us having that discussion yeah. uh and it's the same thing in disenchantment where they have these these moral conundrums and you go what would i do in the situation uh the one that comes to mind for disenchantment is when uh princess tiabini's uh she has that amulet that she can bring one person back to life either elfo or her yep. mother and she's trying yeah. to decide between the two and it really sets the course for the the second part there um yep. so I, I i'm with you i love i love matt groaning stuff uh the simpsons I think the fact that there's 9,000 seasons of the show is difficult for me to jump back in, but there is a clip for every situation if you needed for Simpsons. Um, But you're right. The the, the characters are fantastic. They're well thought out in Futurama. Uh, To be honest, in Disenchantment, some of them fall a little flat for me. I think that I would love to see more depth in them. I think some of our characters, even like even Elfo and and, uh, Lucy, I think both of them are just used as like, plot devices sometimes i would love to see more development there well yeah i think i think elfo i think he's gotten uh you know a fair amount of story arc i mean mm-hmm. he had to go back right? right he had to go back right. to his town he had to go then he's got this relationship going on with this <laughs> with the troll elf or the, the dark <laughs> the elf, or whatever troll elf or whatever that is so i think he's got he's got some stuff there i i you know i think who do you think is underserved who who besides elfo and lucy who else is maybe uh left out of the mix there well, that's actually that's actually one of my questions. My que- next question is, um, uh, it, it, which ties into this. I'm not ignoring your question. Uh, no, I was thinking, what character would you watch a spinoff series of? Like, which what char- what character do you want to see more of? Like, I would love to see in depth. And honestly, it's it's weird, but 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 Una, Queen Una, for me, I would love to see 
more of her character, more of her personality. We get to see a little bit more in series three as, as she and Tia Beanie are getting to be closer, um, right. but going and being a pirate, all these things. Like, like I think like that character, um, uh, Merkimer, uh, I love, I love um, Matt Berry, uh, who is on the IT crowd. He's uh, the pig, pig Merkimer. Uh, yeah. And I love, I love his voice and I love the things he says, but again, I want to see more of him. I want to see him doing something. Um, but, uh, but I oh, mean, he's- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, he's got some great lines. He does. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny too, because like, I remember watching the show and then looking at who these voices were. And once I figure out like, oh, that's why I recognize that voice. Now I can only see that actor saying these lines, which is helpful. Uh, and uh, Matt Berry in particular, I can see him saying every one of those lines. Um, but, but, but it really, uh, you know, he's following, he really, the, I feel like the story is really following primarily Tiabini, of course. You know, that's our, that's our yeah. central character. Um, right. Whereas with Futurama, I really felt like each of the, the the core six, you know, it was really, except for maybe Farnsworth. I remember Farn, a whole lot of storylines that were really dragging that on, but you got Fry uh, and you got Lily uh, and you got Bender. Uh, you know, that, that they, like, I really felt like they were more fleshed out. Now, granted, it was over hundreds of episodes. We only have 30. Right. So who knows where it will be in the future. Um, yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, I'm all. I in. would choose if I wanted to do a show, I'd watch a Lucy show. Okay, all right. I would watch Lucy. Number one, and I, I didn't really, I kind of knew maybe a, a, a mind blank or something, but that uh, that Eric Andre plays mm-hmm. Lucy, does the voice. Right. Yep. Uh, which is funny yes. in and of itself. <laughs> uh, but Lu- but Lucy is is it, 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 uh, I talk about that moral the moral conundrums mm-hmm. uh, where Lucy's just like, hey, I- I'm a demon. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do demon things. Uh, of course there's some, you know, uh, kind moments and whatnot, but I would, I would watch a spinoff of, of Lucy probably just be watching be kind of the, what kind of havoc or what kind of other, uh, I, I think that becomes that, I think there'd be a lot of clips from that, that yeah. you could use <laughs> where you would say there's, there's a moral or ethical conundrum mm-hmm. here. Uh, and I think he would, he would very much enjoy choosing the wrong thing numerous times just to, just oh. to go ahead and watch. Yeah. Which, uh, I told you I had a treat for you. Uh, when I asked you about topics, you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, which was the did. last one I did. I found an article that is D&D moral alignments of disenchantment characters. So oh. I, I'm going to give you a character and I'm going to have you see if you can guess what their uh, what their alignment is. Uh, and okay. I'll tell you why. Uh, there's only one that I had to go. I know that character, but I have no idea about the personality. So I had to go back and watch some uh, some. Um, some episodes kind of help me out with that. So let's start with this. Let's go with our our, our lead, uh, Princess Bean. What alignment would you give? And I'll tell you what what they gave. Oh, uh, I'd have to go with chaotic good. Chaotic good is it? The rebel, definitely. I mean, you know, she's she's gonna do what's good, but she's gonna do it her way. She's gonna do it her way, and she's gonna drink a lot <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. Um, uh, says uh, Bean is hesitant to fulfill her most important royal duty, getting married to a prince for the sole purpose of a political alliance, preferring the company of bizarre friends instead. That she's just going to do her own thing. So very nice, very nice, very nice. Uh, we mentioned Merkimer earlier. How do you think? How where where would you place Merkimer on your uh, on your spectrum? Oh wow, Merkimer! I would put. I would say he is lawful neutral. Man, two for two. That's good stuff. Uh, Murderer is one of Bean's suitors. Expressed himself in typical arrogance of his lineage. However, after Elfo led him a uh, fed him a blended potion of pig and elf blood, Murderer was converted to a talking pig. In this form, he is forced to acknowledge his prior misogyny because women simply laugh at him when he approaches them. So lawful and neutral, and, he's the judge. Yes, and the way they brought Murderer back and how they kind of got him back into the storyline, I thought was pretty good. Yep. Uh, let's do uh, let's do Elfo. Where, where do you think Elfo's at? This one threw me. Uh, when I when I saw this, I was like, mm, I don't know, but but uh, 
I I'm gonna go. Oh, wow, I'm gonna go neutral. Good. It's a good guess. Good guess. They gave him chaotic neutral because he's a free spirit. He kind of does his own thing. Um, he may not know much about the harsh realities beyond Elfwood. In one case, asking what is war, but the only guide he follows are his own whims and fancies, or what they what they said for giving him chaotic okay. neutral. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I guess so. I, yeah. Still in the still in the neutral spectrum. Um, yeah. uh, let's do. Uh, Let's go Lucy. Let's go Lucy while we're at it. We'll go into some, oh. some tertiary characters shortly. Oh, definitely lawful evil. Has to be. Uh, has <laughs> they, to be. They had her as, 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 as they had him as chaotic evil. Uh, the, the, I, that was the other one I was like, okay. I, I typically think like they have the destroyer tag attached to him. And so they're saying that, that that's what he does. But I really don't think that's how he is in future seasons. I'm wondering when this one was – when this article was written um, yeah. because, I mean, there's – I mean, he's got good in him, but it was just, I was interested. It was right, but he's always, it's right. And evil to me in those situations isn't like, hey, I want to destroy everybody. It's more like, I'm going to just suit myself. It's more about selfishness than yeah. uh, destruction or things like that. So that's why I was, went with lawful evil because he's he's got to play by the rules. Another one I thought was a little off was, uh, I'm just going to give you this one. King Zog, they had him as lawful evil. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> okay. He's he, not a great father. He's not a great father. He's not a great king. Um, not a great father or king. But does uh, that make him evil or just incompetent? So they, they attach the dominator tag to it because he does what he wants and, and uh, he can be extremely vicious. Uh, so he, when he mocks and screams at his children, so that's what they did there. Um, uh, so how about uh, this is the one that I had to look up. Like I had no idea where they were going. The executioner, Stan the executioner. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, well, I think if you got to be the executioner, you should, you should be true neutral. So they put him as lawful good. They said, because he was the only one that didn't think Tia Beanie killed her dad. Like, like he was, he was doing his job, but he was good. Listen, that was when I was like, I don't know. I don't even know this character well enough to know it, but he performs his job with pride. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a little awesome. He helped Tia escape. He helped Tia Beanie escape as well. This is true. This is true. Uh, takes him to the escape shoot. So yeah, so I don't. I don't know why they did that. Uh, Queen Una, they gave neutral good. I thought that was a was a fairly you know yeah sure that, that was good. Um, King Derek, uh, Una's son, they had him as true neutral. I think that was just because he's an empty vessel. Like he just did whatever oh. people told him how to what to do. Uh, right. And the last one um, was uh, Queen Dagmar was lawful evil. Uh, the um, oh, okay yeah so I, you know. Again, the Dominator. So you got Lawful Evil, and so both uh, Dagmar and King Zog they gave the same alignment to, and I just don't right. see I, I don't see them on the uh, on the same plane. But no, I thought those were I thought those were interesting. Uh, last question: uh, We talked about a spinoff series. Uh, I, I liked how they went to Steamland uh, most recently. Uh, yep. And what is another world you would like to see out of the Disenchantment series? What where else would you want to go? Wow, I think. Um... You know, they got Steamland. I would like them to go to, I, I would like a Futurama disenchantment mashup. I like it. I, I, I would like to see some sort of little cross, even if it, even if they went to space and they had the ship just in the background, just kind of yes. fly by yes. as a little thing. So I would go, I would go into the, to the really into the science fiction realm and, and have some sort of little crossover uh, with Futurama. 
Yeah, that'd be fun. I like that. Uh, last thing on disenchantment, I read an article. They were talking about the the future plans uh, of it. They were mm-hmm. talking to Matt Groening. His plan is for ten seasons, so another seven seasons of the show. And he says that's the only way he's going to get a, a satisfying end is, is ten seasons. Right. Now they they've got they've got one locked, so they've got season or part four. It's not seasons because technically they they list parts one and two as season one, right? And right. then three and four is season two. Um, but uh, I don't know that he's going to get 10. I don't know that they're going to let him have 10. Maybe. I mean, Netflix is, no. you know, they got some money, no. but. They'll, um, get, they'll get 10. He'll get 10. <laughs> um, get 10. I didn't know that they did a comic book. They've done a comic book uh, to help tell more stories in between here uh, of, of disenchantment. Um, but so, yeah, so Matt Groening, his plan, his goal is, is 10. And that's what we're talking about today with you. Uh, you've got a new course that's coming out on setting goals. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I just took a, I'm in the middle of getting my, uh, master's of divinity and I was at a class and they were talking about goal setting, which I thought was interesting that you'd brought that up. And I had just come back from class on this and the way that they had described the process, was you have to have a desire, something you want. You have to set a goal, how to achieve that desire, or, or what, what that looks like, the quantifiable desire. Have yep. a plan, you do your action, and then you evaluate, and you can come back and check. Um, what's really funny is is with that, uh, you know, I, I gla- glaze over the goal setting, and I am a terrible goal setter. When I was mm-hmm. in fifth grade, I got every award that you could get as a fifth grader except the Presidential Fitness Award. <laughs> and I know you're looking at me and going, well, CJ, I can tell you why you didn't get the Presidential <laughs> Fitness Award. I was skinnier <laughs> as a fifth grader. <laughs> but the deal was not that I did not improve in physical fitness in fifth grade, I set poor goals that I was never going to be able to get. So like right. the, the, what, what doomed me was I did zero pull-ups at the beginning of the year. And I thought I should be able to do three by the end of the year, surely. Uh, and I could do one, I could do one by the end of the year, but I didn't get to, to three. So it was a poor goal. It wasn't that it was an improvement. I've always well, been bad at goal setting because. Yeah, but you weren't passionate about that. I mean, if you were <laughs> to set true. a, if, look, if you were set a, if you, Gary Vaynerchuk says, says, look, you're not lazy. You're just not passionate. You know, people that are, aren't lazy it's not just whatever they're asking them to do that they're just not doing or procrastinating whatever they're they're just not passionate about it Mm. and i and i think that you know people don't set goals for what they're not passionate about Mm. and youth pastors should be passionate uh about yes uh, about going forward and and setting i mean once again it's not you know it's not even the 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 deal about setting goals is the process of setting goals makes you better Yes. It's not even the fact that sometimes that you don't achieve everything because you're not going to achieve every goal, but the very process of setting goals is helpful to you as a human being to say, I'm going to work through this process because I really want to know what I want to do. What mm-hmm. am I passionate about? What am I willing to set goals for? You know, and I would think in youth ministry and, and other things that, I mean, there's a lot of people who want to, uh, they, they want more kids to come to their youth ministry, but they won't set a goal. And they won't work towards that goal. Uh, they won't, you know, they won't put the the heavy lifting in, you know, uh, to sit down with a process to say, hey, that's that's worth my time. That's worth my effort. You know, the old quote is, you know, that if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Right. And I'm always shocked and like, like, do, do you set goals? And they're concerned that their youth ministry is not going, well, do you have any goals? Well, no. I said, well, then why are you, why are you upset that right. you, you're, you're not growing or you're not these things if you're not setting any goals at all? Mm. And I think the, and if I can add one little thing to that is I know there's a lot of youth pastors and God bless them. You said, well, you know, God will just take care of everything, you know, and that's true. God, God's in charge. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. But that doesn't mean we get a pass on not setting goals Mm. like like to set a goal and say this is really what i want to do i mean remember you're in a job you're paid to do a thing 
Right. And, and as part of doing that thing of whether it's growing the youth ministry wider or deeper, either way, there's goals that have to be a part of that, right? Mm. Every, every year when new kids would come in September, my goal was always to get them to camp. And that's a year long goal right. of saying, I want that kid to go to camp because I think he'll see not only who we are, right? If they go on a, a retreat or a camp or something like that, where they get really a lot of community building in with us, uh, that they're going to see something and they're going to connect, but also they're going to, you know, the Lord's going to reach them, you know, in a way that that wouldn't normally happen. So I always made it my goal all the way through that. That was one one goal I had was say, hey, look, I want kids that are new to our youth ministry to go to a retreat or a camp with us, because I think that's going to be uh, the most impactful for them. So I would have to gauge and say every Wednesday or every Sunday or whenever I saw them, you know, I'd, I'd have to, I'd make sure I dropped a hint right. or I talked about it, or I made sure it was in the budget that if a kid doesn't have money, I'm making sure that kid's going to camp and I'm going to budget for that. Right. And so you set the goal, but then you have to do the the, the work to make sure that's good. That's going to happen. Mm. So when, we, when I asked you about this, you sent me the uh, the first day. So it's a seven day, one email a day course, right? Right, that is correct. And uh, and so I, I enjoyed the first day. And so um, it's it's kind of broken down into seven parts. Can you give me just kind of a general overview? Like this is kind of the the general area we're take we're heading. Sure. When when we talk about the first one that we'll talk about uh, now is we're going to talk about the right goals the right way. Hmm. Uh, and that starts off with saying, look, the goal setting is important. And, and what kind of goals you set and how you reach those goals are going to be, uh, you know, those are going to be important as well. I mean, there, you right. have to, you have to be able to break it down and say, uh, what kind of goals am I setting? The, the second one is about aligning your goals. A lot of times we set goals and youth pastors set goals, um, you know, to where they are within themselves. And mm. it's not, it's like, what goals can we achieve as a youth ministry versus what kind of goals am I setting that? impacts the rest of the church because if your goals are not aligned you're in trouble already you're right. already in trouble with you're already off the reservation right you're already you're already exploring and, and a lot of programs and all things fail because they those goals are not aligned and then i begin to break it down uh i break it down into uh, you know aligning with your pastor mm. aligning aligning with your parents uh aligning with your students right Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and then you have to, and then I get into talking about personal goals. I think a lot of youth pastors don't consider their own personal life goals mm -hmm. when they're in the process. Cause they're, you know, the, you know, our lives belong to the Lord. We're working every day for the church and we're doing those things. And we sometimes just don't take care of ourselves. And I think right. it's okay to set personal goals for yourself and say, I want to be able to do this. Mm. I want to be able to do this thing or go here or go there and then begin to work, you know, and you know, these things also, these are family things as well. You know, having family goals right. uh, versus just having youth ministry goals and saying, look, what do we want to do as a family? Where do we want to be? Uh, you know, where do we want to go on vacation? It's going to really be beneficial to us, you know uh, you know, and those are all things that you have to look at. And that's what we talk about in the, in the seven day process that every day it's a different one. Yeah. About alignment or about the kind of goals you're doing or uh, and everything comes with a sheet, comes with like a little worksheet that you mm -hmm. can begin to work through that, uh, because I think that's important. Now, once again, yep. the process is the is the key there. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one is talking about, you know, aligning, you know, I think talk about aligning with your students that you, how to do uh, student leadership development and things like that and getting on right. the same page as your students, because a lot of youth pastors spend a lot of their time selling their ideas 
to students right. versus working with students to see where they're at and what kind of goals, you know, yeah. that's going to come out of those, come out of those relationships. So, um, yeah. Uh, a couple of things that you said there that, that really stuck out to me. And in, in that first day, I enjoyed looking through that and seeing some of those things you mentioned, you know, personal goals, starting with, starting with, uh, you know, your own self is an important place to be. And um, that has been reinforced to me several times. One of my favorite ministry books is As for Me and My Crazy House. And it says the best gift you can give your marriage is a healthy self. And the best gift you can give your family is a healthy marriage. And the best gift you can give your church is a healthy family. Uh, right. It's that idea that if you don't start with yourself, you can't give what you don't have. Um, right. And I mentioned this, this class I went to that was talking about goal setting. The reason they formed the class is because they were realizing that their graduates were coming out out of school and they could translate scripture, they could write a sermon, they could strategize and community outreach, but they could not feed themselves spiritually. Uh, and so they were saying, we need to get you to the point that you're doing this on your own, because if you can't set goals for yourself, if you can't grow yourself, you can't even begin to start trying to, to reach somebody else. hundred percent. If you, if you, if you lack that discipline and that's what goal setting is, it's a lot of it is about discipline. It's about saying, this is what I'm going to write down. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to execute on this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to work my way into doing that. And it's the same thing for anything. I mean, whether it's, whether it's losing weight, uh, you know, we'd rather buy a program mm -hmm. than discipline. We'd rather have a program tell us whether it's Weight Watchers, whoever it is, you know, exercise, right. That then just get up and go like I did for seven months. Right. I walked three miles a day for seven months every day. Just because I got up one day in December and said, look, I just want to do this thing. I didn't join a gym, right? I didn't do any of those things. I just said, look, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to walk three miles. And I did. And then I, you know, after seven months, I said, okay, that's enough. And I, you know, set new goals and did some other things. But in reference to what youth pastors do, sometimes rather than discipline ourselves to kind of get a clue about what's really going on, we'd rather buy a program from somebody uh, and say, do it for me. And I think you lose the self-reflection. You lose a lot of that. And another key day that you work through is setting gospel goals. Mm. How well does your youth ministry line up with scripture? How well right. does your youth ministry line up with the goals that God has, right? The goals that, that Jesus sets forth in scripture. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a critical part uh, to your program. If you're, if you're not on the same page with the Lord, then then everything's going to be out of whack anyway. Yeah. So that's a critical part as well. But the discipline part in anything, whether it's praying, getting up and praying every day or losing weight or, you know, earning more money or whatever it is, the exercise of setting goals and sitting down and putting, uh, you know, uh, pen to paper or getting out your phone or doing it on your computer, whatever it may be, however you choose to do that is an important exercise in and of itself so that you can kind of spend some time, really kind of thinking and dreaming mm. and putting down your thoughts about mm. what you really want to do and how you want to do it. Right. Um, one of my favorite parts of this uh, day one, uh, as I was, as reading through it and looking at it is uh, on the last page of, of our work, where we're talking about our youth ministry goals. Uh, and it says, make a list of your youth ministry goals in these five areas, evangelism, discipleship, worship, service, fellowship, um, and be as detailed as you need to be. Use the back or a notebook for more room. This is what got me. What does each of these look like when a student practices them? Uh, and I loved that your focus was not program oriented, but much more practice oriented with the students. You know, if your, your goal can be, 
I want our youth group to grow. That's an okay goal. A better goal is how, how can I get my students to witness to their friends? How can I get my students to serve their friends, to love their friends, knowing that this is going to produce growth? Um, when I loved how it was very much focused on students doing rather than just this big dream, which we can kind of get lost in. Um, yeah. I love that it was practice oriented. I love that was the focus. How does this look like? What does it look like when your students practice these goals? Yeah. And I appreciate that because, because everything I'm going to do is going to be practical. It has to be lived out. I can't, we right. love youth pastors, love theory and we love <laughs> ideas right. and we love, we love to live up in the, you know, 50,000 feet above the thing. And we love to look at the plan and we love to, Oh, and the plan becomes the great idea. Mm -hmm. And then there's no goals. There's nothing else. And I say, look, get, get, get to about 10,000 feet and, and start really looking at what you're doing. Uh, because I know there's a lot of youth workers who are listening, who are struggling with things and they're wondering why a plus B doesn't equal C all the time. And it has to boil down to practicalities, what you're doing as a youth worker practically and what you're helping. And that's where, where the real discipleship comes in, right? Jesus had these intimate moments and times with his disciples where he modeled to them what forgiveness looks like what accepting others look like. So if you said, if you took one of the, the things here and said, hey, what does, um, what does, you know, fellowship look like in your group? Well, you say, well, I want everybody to welcome everybody else, right? right? Right. So then you have to develop something for that. So what are the outward signs of that? So maybe you increase your greeting time. You increase your, you have questions, but I know there's, uh, you know, some youth groups, maybe you have a question of the day or two, two or three questions and say, go to three people and ask them a question. Uh, this may be done through small groups or it may just be an opener or something like that, but you've got to build in, you've got to bake this into the cake of saying, look, if fellowship's important, what does this look like? Well, then I want them practicing mm. welcoming other people into the group. So you've got to set that up. You've got to be able to, to think that out of how will I get kids to practice this value that, uh, that I want them to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks great. It looks great. Uh, I just went over to your website, which uh, I want to make sure that everyone knows that it's the disciple project.net uh, yes. go by and, and check that out. Um, and how do I go about signing up for this, purchasing this, getting set up with this? What is the easiest way for me to do that? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is uh, that CJ is going to put a link in the description somewhere <laughs> so the easiest way for you to be to click that link and you'll take you there and this is seven days for seven dollars i think it's the value you're going to get to work through the process a dollar a day i have i have created this for for budget i mean i'm not going to charge a gajillion dollars for you to do this because number one you don't have a gajillion dollars in your youth budget most don't but i think it's worth seven dollars to work through the process and start some, you know, reflection time and start that goal same process and putting those things before the Lord, before you, you know, summer's coming up right now. And you're, look, I know you're thinking about what, what kind of program you want to run and what you're going to have to ask kids to do and those things. Well, don't go into summer with no goals, right? right. And then you wind up exactly where you were, you know, after summer, you said, well, did we really, what did we accomplish? And we, we, there's these false, uh, positives, if you will, of, of things that we said, well, we had a lot of kids at that event and we had that. Well, if those are your only, if that was your goal, fantastic mm -hmm. winner. Right. But I think 
to build a successful youth ministry, you have to set better goals. Yep. Uh, and you have to set the right goals the right way. And if you'll do that, then you know what you're trying to measure. You know mm. what you're, you're putting into your program so that you can uh, so that you can be able to measure that uh, against, you know, what has been accomplished. So we'll uh, we'll put a link to that in the description. Uh, also, you can check out all the rest of his stuff at thedisciplesproject.net. You can also find his podcast, Youth Ministry in Motion, everywhere that you can find podcasts. Uh, and and give it a listen. Give it a listen. And if you listen long enough, he will missay the name of your town on his podcast. He'll uh, he'll do that for you. Hundred percent. I will. I will. <laughs> and I don't know where they are because they don't tell me that. They tell. I have to guess where the city is. What's what's what what state it's in. Uh, sometimes I Google it, sometimes it works. And other times, you know, it was so funny. Much. You mentioned Stuttgart in your last one, which my sister and her husband are stationed in Stuttgart. And I was like, is Stephanie listening to the, that, that'd be funny. I, be, I, I don't know why she'd be listening to that, but, uh, but, uh, that, yes, in, in Germany. Um, well, Paul, is there anything else you want to share? And that's going to plug? No, I just want to plug the fact that I love youth workers, youth workers. If you're listening, if nobody's told you lately that you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. You're getting better. You're, you're going to get there. You don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't judge yourself too harshly. Don't, uh, you know, run yourself down. Uh, your kids need you to, uh, love yourself. They need you to take a nap, uh, eat a sandwich. Okay. And they need you to go kiss your wife. If you're married <laughs> or kiss your husband, if you're married, uh, and they need you to play, spend time with your kids. They need you to just be real and uh, be well, be both mentally and spiritually well so that you can live out the calling that God's put on your life. So do that. Paul, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming and sharing with us. Uh, again, disciple, thedisciplesproject.net and uh, check him out. And I'll have a link to his uh, goal setting program in our show notes. For everyone else, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, we'd love five stars and a review. That'd be fantastic. And if you're looking for the easiest way to share the podcast, you can share it at nextgennerd.com. Uh, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, guys. 